calling, cause, and community. And um, we are spending two weeks on each of them. Uh, Pastor Brad opened it up last week. How many of you got caught Pastor Brad's message last week? Wasn't that great? Amazing, amazing message. Really uh, opened up the series talking about the person of Christ. Who do you say that he is? Talking about that Jesus is more than tradition, more than a, a cute meme or a catchy meme, that Jesus is no longer on the Christ. He's, he's our risen Savior, amen? That he is alive, and as Peter declared, you are the Messiah, and as we can uh, declare today, that you are the Son of the living God. So today, I want to talk about, last week was the person of Christ, this week I want to talk about the message of Christ, what he wants us to know. The message of Christ what he wants us to know. Um, I've joked around. Uh, you, you guys have heard me talk a little bit about um, my, er, my early childhood and stuff. And, you know, I, I'll hear people talk about their kids and raising them and how crazy it can get. And I always, in the back of my head, I go, yeah, but my mom and dad had to raise a Sam and a Matt. You know what I mean? So it was like, uh, we, uh, I've joked, you know, I, my mom has threatened to come up here and actually set this story straight. But, but what it is, you know, when my, mom, when my brother and I would get in fights or get in trouble, you know, my mom, uh, she, would, she would get us with whatever she had. She would use her hand, a hairbrush. She would use shoes. Um, she would use a Hot Wheel track. You know what I mean? She, it was all, you know, whatever it was to break it up. Now, um, now, her go-to was, wait till your dad gets home, okay, so that was that. So, then my dad would get involved, and so, you know, my, my dad, um, he, he had names for my brother and I, and he would usually put a word in front of heads, and so, he, he had uh, words like, he called us knuckleheads, meatheads, bucketheads, knotheads, um, <laughs> basically anything like that, because he would, he literally would be, have us sitting down, and he'd go, boys... He goes, I feel like I'm living in the house with a couple of knotheads. Come on. Basically, you're not listening to me. You're not hearing what I'm going to say, so uh, maybe a belt will help you. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, uh, they, they, but, but, but my family, what I want to say about my mom and dad is, is that they were so good at delivering clear messages to us. And I'm not talking about just with discipline. Like I remember as a little guy, you know, walking home from school in first and second grade, and I, ha I went on maps to find out exactly how far I used to walk, and it was, little, it was just a little over half a mile, nothing really big. But my mom made sure that I understood you are not to cross these streets that you're going to be crossing unless you look both ways. It wasn't a suggestion. It was more like she was saying, if you get hit by a car, you're in trouble. <laughs> but, but so, you know, I made sure I was looking both ways and stuff. But, but it was in some of the bigger decisions, like the family would make, they would bring us in on these things because they were, they, uh, it, 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 it helped us to grow up into the men that we were. I remember when we moved from um, uh, Little Rock, Arkansas to Arlington, Texas, you know, they, they told us this is why and this is what's happening and how good it's going to be for our family and all. But, but I just remember it was always this very clear message. They made it very clear to us. And it's helped me in my raising my kids, that I would make things clear. I remember my dad looking at one of the times when I was starting, I wasn't living for God, and, and, and he had this conversation with me and my brother, and he says, as long as you live in this house, does everybody hear what I'm about to say? You know, this is what, these are the rules. This is what you're going to live by as long as you live in, in this house. Clear messages. Guys, what we have to understand about Jesus is, is that Jesus also gave us a very clear message. 
And the message is found in Matthew 4.17. We, we touched on this very briefly a couple weeks ago, but we're going to go deeper into it today. Matthew 4.17, here's the message that, that Jesus has for us. From then on, Jesus began to preach, repent, because the kingdom of heaven has come near. Now, I'm building this off of the New Living Testament version, which is going to come up for you. It says, from then on, Jesus began to preach, repent of your sins and, everybody say and. Repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. It was such a clear message to the disciples that in the, in the sermon that Peter preached right after the dropping of the Holy Spirit, and where thousands of people came to Jesus, look at what he says in Acts 3.19. And now you must repent and, everybody say and, turn back to God so that your sins will be removed and so that times of refreshing will stream from the Lord's presence. So, so again, this is what you're seeing. You're seeing repent and turn back. And then you're seeing this part about the kingdom of heaven at near so that times of refreshing will stream from the Lord's presence. Now, now guys, check this out. When I was a little guy, when somebody would say repent, I saw that as a, a bad word. It was a, a bad thing. You were a bad person if you needed to repent. And the problem with that is, is that that meant to me it was turn from your sins and go back to God. But what we're seeing in Scripture here, it says, repent and turn back. So there's, there's, they're completely separate things. So what's important for us is we're going to talk about the first one, and that is repentance. What does that truly mean? What does that word mean? Well, in the Greek, repentance, the noun, how it is used, it means to change your mind. As used as a verb, it means to change the way that you think. There was a professor that used to say it this way, that we don't have the ability to change our hearts. Only God can change a human heart. But he gives us the ability to change our mind. And if, if we will change our minds, he will change our hearts. I want to say this again. Repentance is not a bad word. I've heard pastors, listen, I was raised in the early 70s through the early 80s, and I, I saw many pastors get up there, and they would, they, it was always this, you know, you need to repent, you people, you people need to repent, or you're going to hell. And so repentance to me was like, whoa. It was just, I, I, I feared almost repentance in a way. But guys, here's the thing is, is most people believe that repent means to turn from sin and turn to God. But that's not it. We're seeing that it's more about changing the mind. It's about changing the way that you think. Guys, can I just say this? Um, again, I'm, I, any denomination that believes this, I'm really not trying to throw shade. I'm really just trying to go, we need to look at this scripturally, and we got to look at what the Bible says about this. We are not a once saved, always saved people. I'm sorry. That's just, that's just too easy. That's almost the lifestyle that I was living because I gave my heart to the Lord at eight, and then I journeyed from him for years, and I would only repent on summers at summer youth camp, and then I'd go back Monday morning and go right back to life. Can I, let me just say this. God is not a fool. He knows that when in our minds we have repented, he knows when we have given him his, our heart and he knows when we're active in the kingdom of God. 
So if we think, for some reason, think that we can do this, ask for forgiveness the next day, which he will forgive, but we go back and do the same thing, we ask for forgiveness the next day, at some point, God knows that your heart and your mind have not changed at all. Is everybody with me? So many Christians, this is not just for unsaved people. I'm talking about believers that struggle with this. There's believers that can go years and just serve the Lord but fall back and fall. And they've either got to make up their mind, I'm not going to do it again, repent in my mind, change the way that I'm thinking, give him my heart again and move on, or I'm going to get trapped in this place that I had been for so many years. And God is in the business of restoring people. He is in the business of setting people free, and that's the difference. So, most people believe that repent means to turn from sin and turn back, but this can be a result of repentance, but it's not what the word means. So let's go back into it again. Repentance, in the Greek, is metanoia. It's going to come up on the screen for you. Meta is two words, two Greek words put together. Meta is change, noia is mind. The verb, metanoia, or metanoeo, however you want to say it, it means change the way you think. Here's what we know that Jesus and John the Baptist didn't do. They weren't at, John the Baptist wasn't standing at the Jordan going, repent because hell is at hand. Y'all hear? Hear the difference? They're not preaching hell. They're preaching kingdom. They're preaching the coming of God. It's a big difference. Repent is not bad news. Jesus didn't come to us to bring bad news. He came to bring good news. Jesus is the good news. Give me an amen. And changing the way that you are thinking is all about having a relationship with the Father. Because when you do, when you change the way that your mind is thinking and you give your heart to him, it is going to impact every part of your walk. It's going to change the way that you journey through the rest of this life. It will affect your faith. It will affect your family. It will affect your life. And it will affect your worship. Can I just step out of my sermon for a second and talk about worship just for a second? First of all, way to bring it this morning, everybody. Because here's, here's, here's what a lot of people suffer with with worship is this. Is that we come into the house sometimes and we think, I'm going to receive where if that's our heart, then we're already missing it. When you go to worship, you're coming to give. And our God is good enough that as we give, he gives back so that we can receive. Isn't that good? I get it. I get it. There's times I show up and I go, man, God, I don't have much to give. And, and I'll say it out loud. And God's like, whatever you got, you give it. Because I'm about to bless you tenfold. You know what I mean? And getting, getting ready to receive. So, so guys, get into, that, get into that place of giving, 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 giving to him. Now, Luke 6.38, let's just look at, let's look about giving. Luke 6.38, give and it will be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Wisest man that ever walked the planet, King Solomon, wrote in Proverbs 11.24 and 25, give freely and become more wealthy, be stingy and lose everything. The generous will prosper, and those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Guys, that's kingdom. Acts 20, 35 says, remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Guys, it's a changing of our minds. It's changing the way that we think. 
Remember, the scripture said, now you must repent and turn back to God. So, again, we, we're seeing two separate things. You see, pursuing the things of God. When I, when I think about giving my heart, when, when I've repented, I'm changing the way that I'm thinking, and then I turn back to God, I give him access to my heart, what I'm doing is, is that I'm pursuing the things of God. I'm giving him total access. I'm allowing him to change my heart. Look at what God says to Ezekiel in Ezekiel 36, 26 through 27. He says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will place my spirit within you and cause you to follow my statutes and carefully observe my ordinances. Isn't that awesome? Guys, that, that, that okay, we've repented, which is, God, I want, I'm, I, want, I want to change the way that I'm thinking. I'm giving you my mind. And we turn to him. He takes our heart, and, and it's causing us to live by his ordinances, which then leads us to where we can begin to work in the kingdom. Guys, check this out. He says the kingdom of God is at hand. Here's the scripture again. Repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. So here's some questions. What is the kingdom? What is the kingdom of God? How did Jesus proclaim the message of the kingdom? Where is the kingdom? When is the kingdom? And who will bring the kingdom of God? All, all great questions. I, I want to encourage you. Um, I want to encourage you as a church that in the month of February, I want to I give you a challenge. I want you to open up the book of Matthew over the next however many days we have left in this month. And um, go through Matthew chapters 5 through 7. Because if you're wanting to know a little bit deeper into the message of kingdom, you're going to find the kingdom principles in those three chapters. Men and women, hear what I'm saying. I'm challenging you because I believe if you'll do these devotions, just do a couple of chapters a day, a night, or whenever, and just see what is, what is it that Jesus was saying. What was God saying? I promise you it will, it will bless you and bless your home. So that's, that's just free right there. I didn't charge anybody for that, okay? Kingdom speaks to dwelling. When you're thinking about what is kingdom, kingdom speaks to dwelling, um, from the very beginning, from Genesis all the way through Revelation, you will see this theme that goes over and over and over. And what it is, the theme is this, is that God wants to be with us. You start with the Garden of Eden, you go with uh, Adam and Eve, you got Adam by himself for a while, and he's just chilling and walking through the garden and everything with God, just, just brothers, father and son, just hanging out. Then Eve comes along and, and the relationship grows and, they, and God gives them dominion. And, and what, that, what that's telling us before they, before they ruined it all for all of us <laughs> is that, that God wanted to be with us, God with us. I think about, I think about the story of, uh, of Moses bringing the Israelites out of Egypt. They get into the wilderness and God gets Moses and Aaron and all the dudes that are going to help do this and says, listen, I want you to build a tabernacle. And church, why? Why did they build it? Because God wanted to be with them. God with us. You can still hear this theme. In the Old Testament, in the New Testament, how they, they worked together and how they pointed to this truth. Look at this scripture in Isaiah 7, verse 14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. See, the virgin will conceive, have a son, and name him Emmanuel. Then 700 years later, everybody say 700 years. 
let that sit there for a second. 700 years later, the angel appears to Joseph and says this to him in Matthew 1. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated, read it, church, God with us. Jesus coming to us as son of man, putting on flesh and dwelling here, God with us. Then you have an Acts where, where the Holy Spirit is given. Jesus has ascended into heaven. He leaves a beautiful part of the Godhead with us, the Holy Spirit, so that we can have relationship. In Pentecost, it's the giving, the coming of the Holy Spirit. It's God with us. And then you have these things that have not yet happened, the rapture, the, the return, and the reign. By the way, after Easter, we are going to go right into a, a, a series based on the end times. Do y'all remember last year we talked about just before Jesus comes? We're going to go a little bit deeper. And, and I promise you, you're going to want to be here for it, and you're going to want to bring family for this, because this is what we're talking about, the rapture, the return, and the reign. But all three of these that are still coming, haven't happened yet, all of it speaks to God wanting to be with us, and him wanting us to be with him. Isn't that awesome? Now think about what Revelation 21 says. Check this out. Starting with verse 2. This is John who, uh, who wrote this. He says, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, descending out of the heavenly realm from the presence of God like a pleasing bride that had been prepared for her husband, adorned for her wedding. And I heard a thunderous voice from the throne saying, look, God's tabernacle is with human beings. And from now on, he will tabernacle with them as their God. Now God himself will have his home with them. God with them will be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, eliminate death entirely. Give me an amen. No one will mourn or weep any longer. The pain of wounds will no longer exist. Give me an amen. For the old order has ceased. And God himself spoke to me and said, consider this. I am making everything to be new and fresh. Then he said to me, it has been accomplished, for I am Aleph, Alpha, and Tav, Omega, the beginning and the end, and I will give water to all who are thirsty. As my gracious gift, they will continuously drink from the fountain of living water. The conquering ones will inherit these gifts. Now listen, the conquering ones are those who have repented, who have and turned to God, and are working the kingdom, right? That's who he's talking about. He says, I will continue to be their God, and they will continue being children for me. But guys, here it is. Here's where, here's where it gets serious. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the despicable, the murderers, the perverts, uh, in other translations, the sexually immoral, both married and unmarried, the sorcerers, the idolaters, and all deceivers, people who are doing tarot cards, horoscopes, Buddhists, Muslims, Mormons, uh, false teachers, all of these things that are going on right now, the Bible is being very clear. They will find their place in the lake of fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Now, guys, here, check this out. That's scripture, and we, we can't tear that out. None of us like that, right? Agree with me. Nobody, nobody likes this. But many scholars believe that the worst part of missing God 
is going to be eternal separation from him. Now, we can't imagine what that's going to be like. We have no way of imagining what that's going to be like. But, but this scripture is, is saying God with us. He's wanting us to be with him. He doesn't want one person to miss this. When you're thinking about what is kingdom, kingdom is dwelling, but it's also dominion. That means that we're living in this, and God is going to use us so that not one person would miss him in the end. That's the whole purpose of this. Instead of this distance that none of us would be able to cross, Jesus comes to us. He dwells with us. He dies for us. He's raised for us and will return again soon. Jesus is pr proclaiming not only are we dwelling with God, but we are being activated into fully called participants. Let me say it this way. We become image bearers of Jesus so that people can see him and we work the kingdom. We become kingdom builders. And Jesus comes and shakes up our realities with a new message. And it's a message of hope, life, and eternity. You know, um, I've talked about this before um, because I, I really believe this. I really believe God's going to use every person in this room to tell, G tell somebody about Jesus this year. Somebody. It'll be a family or a friend, somebody that you're working with, or maybe even a stranger you're going to run into. And you're going to get into a conversation, and you're going to ultimately lead them to Christ. And check this out. I've got family members. I've got friends that when I've tried to talk to them about Christ, their go-to is this. We've talked about this before. Don't judge me. The other one is this, is when you start getting into their sin, they say, well, Jesus was love. Jesus preached love, so he loves me as I am. Is everybody following me right now? Because even when I was away from God, I, I, I began to think this way. I want to make sure that we're all on the same page when I say this, so, so stay with me. I am not saying, when I start to tell you this, that Jesus didn't go to the cross because he loved us. He loved us so much that he went to the cross. Amen? That he died for our sins. God loved us so much that he sent his son. What I am saying is this. The Romans and the Jews didn't put Jesus on the cross because all he was preaching was love. Let me prove my point. If Jesus spent his time on earth saying, you should love your God, love each other, and love your enemies. There's not one Pharisee, Sadducee, or anybody in the Sanhedrin that would have put Jesus on a Roman cross for preaching that. But what came out of the mouth of Jesus was way more contentious. It put a mirror in front of everybody, even the religious leaders. It was the words that he said. It was the words that he proclaimed about himself and about his father. Is everybody with me? Guys, check this out right here. The core of his message was repent, turn to God and kingdom. God has come and things are about to change. Look at this. Look at these things that he would say in John 10, 24 through 30. They ask him, if you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. He goes, I did tell you and you don't believe, Jesus answered. The works that I do in my Father's name testify about me. But you don't believe because you are not of my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life. Can you imagine being a religious leader hearing that for the first time? And they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. Whose authority are you saying this? My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. 
No one is able to snatch them out of, my, of the Father's hand. And here it is. I and the Father are one. Whoa. Talking about somebody wanting to get him on a cross as soon as possible for saying that. But here's the thing. It was truth. And they couldn't see it. Let's keep going. John 14, 6. And Jesus told them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And if you know me, you will also know my Father. For now, from now on, you do know him and have seen him. Anybody wants to argue that there's other ways to God? Good scripture to go to, right? Amen. Let's, let me give you one more. John 8, 57 through 58. But many of the Jewish leaders doubted him and said, what are you talking about? You're not even 50 years old yet. You talk like you've seen Abraham. And Jesus said to them, I give you this eternal truth. I have existed long before Abraham was born, for I am. See, people hated Jesus because he spoke truth. There's no question he was loving, but Jesus spoke truth. He spoke kingdom. He spoke repentance. He spoke turn back to my father because he was doing the will of his father. He calls everyone to repentance, to turn to God and get a new heart and to be a part of this kingdom. And it's a clear message. When I was, uh, I think around seven or eight years old, my grandpa and grandma Shaw moved from one house in Little Rock to uh, southwest Little Rock, closer to where me and my, our family live. And because when they moved, they bought this house that had a very large acreage, backyard, everything, and they grew vegetables and farmed and everything. And, and my grandpa ended up buying a riding lawnmower. And so here I am at eight years old, and my grandpa would get me on there, and he'd let me drive. But at the same time, he's giving me, he's teaching. He's saying, this is how you engage the blade. This is how you disengage it. This is when you use this speed. This is when you can go a little faster. Um, you don't, this, is, this is what helps you get closer to the fence. Uh, you don't want to run the lawnmower into the tree. You know, <laughs> I mean, it was like all these things he's talking through. And, he's, and, and every time I would get on there and ride with him and drive a little bit and turn on the, well, one day I walked out there and I walk out with him and the lawnmower is out there and it's running. And he goes, Maddie, he goes, would you like to mow the lawn today? Guys, have y'all ever seen movies or cartoons where it, something happens and the clouds part and the sun comes out and, and the choir goes, oh. When my grandpa looked at me and said, Maddie, do you want to mow the lawn? It was like the clouds part of the sun. Went, oh, and I go, yes. <laughs> yes, I wanna, I'd love to mow the lawn. And, and guys, sure enough, as I'm mowing, I'm, I'm thinking about everything he said to me. And I'm, I'm disengaging, engaging, not, you know, and everything. And back then, you couldn't back the lawnmower up with the blade on. So I had to learn that and, and all this. But, you know, at the end, he would show me. So you missed a little spot here and all that. But every time, it got a little better and a little easier. And I began, began to kind of master mowing the lawn because my grandfather did such a good job giving a clear message. And that's exactly what Jesus has done for us. It's so clear. It's so clear for every one of us in here. What he wants us to know is that we all need to repent, change the way we're thinking, to turn back to God, to give him full access to our hearts, and let's get busy building the kingdom for him. What is a kingdom builder? What is the work of the kingdom? Why is it so important to Jesus? Again, it's about dominion. 
Because we're living it right now. And you know what he's going to use us for? He's going to use us to bring order to chaos. It's going to come up for you. And to bring light to darkness. That we get to be a part of this kingdom and we're bringing, we're bringing order to chaos through the power of the Holy Spirit. And through his power, his anointing, we are going to help bring light to dark places. So when Jesus proclaims that the kingdom of God has come near, he's not talking about a specific place. Jesus is proclaiming that God's own holy authority and power has come on the scene. And we get to be activated in it. We get to be image bearers. Because, see, John wrote in Revelation, he saw when that kingdom is going to come and it's going to be a Sabbath. But right now, we're living in dominion in the kingdom of God, telling others about Jesus, building it one at a time. 1 Corinthians 4.20, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of, say it, power. Mark 1, 14 and 15, now after John was put in prison, talking about John the Baptist, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. While that scripture's still up, this is the way I would say it. God's reign is at hand. God's power is being unleashed. Turn your life around and put your trust in this good news. Because it is here and it's now. Ken Costa, the writer of The Strange Kingdom, he said it this way. Christ died for us standing in our place at the moment of God's judgment. Jesus took our place and with it our death and our sins, and we took his place gaining his acceptance and his righteousness in the eyes of God. We do not have an accuser but an advocate. Give me an amen. One who took our punishment and paid the ultimate price with his blood. And in, doing, in so doing, Christ inaugurated a new community, a kingdom of freed people. The kingdom of God is at hand. What does that mean to us? What is, what's the clear message? Well, let me give it to you. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Make disciples. Increase the number of followers of Jesus. Preach the good news. Baptize men, women, and children. Disciple them. It's you and I making up our minds. It's that repentance of changing our minds that I'm going to live as a holy man or a holy woman of God. I am going to pursue the things of God. I want his wisdom. I, will, I want you to position me, God, with your power and your love to those who are hurting and lost. To work the kingdom of God. To bring kingdom life, kingdom principles. And taking the gospel of Jesus Christ into all the world. I'm going to have the worship team come on up. Can we give our worship team a hand? Just bless them, guys. So let me wrap this up real quickly. I want to give you the points one more time. The, the message of Christ, what he wants us to know, the first is repent. Everybody say repent. Remember, hey guys, this is not a bad word. It's what I had to do. It's what I've had to do many times. I've always had to check myself, check my mind to change the way that I'm thinking. But he calls us to repent. When I look at the world and what the world has to offer, and stay with me here. The toys, the money, the short-lived pleasure, the temptations, and all its struggles, 
I want to be like Apostle Paul and say what he says in 2 Corinthians 4, 16 and 18. He says this, so we're not giving up. How could we? Even though on the outside it often looks like things are falling apart on us, on the inside where God is making new life, not a day goes by without his unfolding grace. These hard times are small potatoes compared to the coming good times, the lavish celebration prepared for us. There's far more here than meets the eye. The things we see now are here today but gone tomorrow, but the things we can't see now will last forever. It's what it's Jesus says. He says, he says, what does it profit? What does it profit a man and a woman to gain the whole world but to lose their soul? The second thought is this. you got to turn to God and believe. Church, we need to repent, but we need to turn to God and believe. To turn to him and give him access to our heart, for he is the only one who can bring that type of change. Look at what God says to the prophet uh, Jeremiah, Jeremiah 24, 7. I will give them a heart to know me, that I am the Lord, and they will be my people, and I will be their God. For they will return to me with all their heart. Come on. And then lastly, we need to live the kingdom of God. We need to build the kingdom of God right now. Can I just proclaim this over this church? Live. Live. Right here, right now, live. Live in the name of Jesus. Don't stay in depression. Don't stay in shame. Don't stay isolated. But live so that you can build the kingdom of God. The enemy wants you to isolate. He doesn't want you to live and engage in the kingdom. He wants you to be forgotten. But let's own this. We are not a part of this kingdom as slaves, but we are sons and daughters of the Most High. Reigning and ruling beside Jesus forever. We have been grafted in to this eternal dynasty. And the Bible actually says that we will be co-heirs with Christ. I'm going to give you three scriptures and I'm closing. Revelation 5.10. And have made us kings and priests to our God. And we shall reign on the earth. 2 Timothy 2.12. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. And Daniel 7.27. This is so good. Then the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven shall be given to the people, the saints of the Most High. And his kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. Repent. Turn to God and build his kingdom. Can we just bow our heads? Close our eyes. Let's just give each other some space here as far as just put our phones away, our notes away, our Bibles away. And I just feel like the word that I had this morning too is that I think we just need to spend a couple minutes here first. And let's just give. Let's give to God. Father God, I just pray, Lord, that as we go into this time of just privacy with you, that, Lord, that we can give you our minds. Lord, God, help us. Help us, dear God. Help us. Come in and change. Help us change the way we're thinking. 
Father God, I pray that, God, we can give you our hearts. I pray, God, that we would turn to you, Lord. Some of us, we've been serving you for years, but, God, there's been maybe areas of our heart we still haven't fully released. God, help us to release our hearts to you completely. Father God, I pray that we would give ourselves to your kingdom. I pray, God, that as we, as we live the rest of our days, Lord, even though some days will be struggles, in fact, some very great struggles, but that, Lord, we're still a part of your kingdom. We're still sons and daughters of the Most High. And God, I pray that we can give. I pray that we can give ourselves to you, Lord, because you are worthy. And we thank you. We thank you, God give to you. We give to you our loyalty. We give to you our, 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 our praise. We give to you our hearts, minds, and souls because you are the one true God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. This is what we're going to do. We did this this morning and um, I'm going to count to three here in a second. There's, there's, there's three things that, that obviously we can come down here for just to spend some time with the Lord. I'm going to have the prayer teams here, first of all. 